Manage Self Lead Others podcast and my name is Nina Sunday and today we're joined by Brain Power Training Facilitator Cecile He. Hello Cecile. Hi Nina, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. And um, just to, to tell you a little bit about Cecile, Cecile started her speaking and training career as a computer scientist and was doing presentations in IT but since then she's uh, uh, really progressed and focuses now on strategy sessions and leadership training, leadership development. Uh, she's got a whole stack of accreditations under her belt. So today's session is called Leading with Compassion. So uh, Cecile, so what can you tell us about uh, managers managing their emotional blind spot? If, they, if they're not leading with compassion, are they just leading and barking orders? What's, what seems to be happening out there, especially if some people are working from home and some people are, are in office? Well, it's a, it's a great question to ask, Nina. And the leading with compassion has really, it's come under the spotlight under the current conditions, but also it's being seen very much as a leadership trait that's important for leadership in the 21st century. And it's a it's not wrapping people in cotton wool. What it is about is not being indifferent to what your teams and people face, regardless of our current circumstances. It's what they face both inside and outside the organisation. Could it be that up until these times where people are working under more uh, hidden stress than ever before, that maybe a manager went, uh, was thinking, one, I don't want to pry. Two, it's mm. not my job. It's not my concern. Uh, three, if they're not emotionally up to the job, well, get a life. <laughs> I mean, up until now, there was this arm's length around uh, that emotional support approach. Is that right? You're very right. And today, what we are a lot more focused on is the, the capability of organisations to allow employees to bring their entire self to work. I don't mean that they come in and share all their dirty laundry or that sort of thing. If they've got instances happening in their life, for example, they might be caring for aged parents or they might be part of a, a semi-professional sporting situation. That, it's, that is part of who they are. And leaders, it's even more important now that they understand the people that work for them. We can't be dealing with our people with a indifference because that is not how you get engagement. And we know that when a workforce is highly engaged, we get discretionary effort. Oh, discretionary effort. So they go the extra mile and, and, and put in a little bit more of themselves. Yes. I suppose it depends on the people skills and interpersonal skills of the manager involved. Because I know myself, I'm happy to ask people if they look happy how are you doing what's happening but the minute they start sort of tell you, oh you know going with the negative things in their life i go well i'm not sure i can deal with this and so maybe i'm more reluctant to ask next time is that is that one of the problems or i could think it's one of several several problems in fact and of course it's always easier to talk with people that are upbeat and well <laughs> 
we need to stop and think about you're in a leadership role. Your, your part of your leadership role is to be a people manager, whether that's directly or, or indirectly or with your own peers. And so we, we, it's, it's not good enough to say, I've got a spot there. What we have to do, what leaders need to be encouraged to do is actively and proactively look for situations where they may need to step in and get that better understanding of people that work for them. It's not turning them into counsellors. It's turning them, them into a compassionate leader that recognises that we, we have lives as well as a, a working life. Yeah, and I'm happy to share stories with you too on, on personal experiences and other people that I've coached too. What springs to mind is if you feel that you don't have the skills, that's a sure sign that maybe you should take a few steps to get those skills, either read a book or subscribe to an article mm. or uh, go, and, go and get mentored by someone else in the organisation or some colleague and just bring it up and say, look, how do I deal with people who are experiencing stress in their lives? How, mm. how do I have that difficult conversation? Is that, mm. is that well, good, it's, good it's, advice? It's, yeah, look, that's an interesting point because it's not so much that it's a difficult conversation, it's more that it's an uncomfortable conversation. Yes, that's the word. Yeah, and, and, and leaders are not necessarily trained and, and perhaps that conversation is, I recommend you talk to our support network here in our organisation. There's many large organisations that have that. The compassion piece is also in the everyday. It's not just around people that are displaying levels of stress it is in the everyday and we can we can use the examples of you know how are you today and you know we hear that all the time how are you and you're supposed to say i'm great how are you and what a leader needs to be cognizant of is if there even is the slightest of hesitations there there's a flag to say okay maybe i need to have a longer conversation with that person or when especially now in in covid when they're not seeing their people face to face, if they do a check-in with the team and say, how is everybody going? Well, I know that we've got some of the team members who are living on their own and you've been in lockdown for long periods of time. So there is that proactive check-in in the everyday communication that you're having. And even before COVID, best practice leading was making time for one-on-ones with yes. your direct reports. So, and uh, what they're saying now is if you needed to do that once a month before, you probably need to double that and do it once a fortnight now. Mm. Mm. People really need to know that their leaders care about them mm. and value them. It's so important to have people feel safe in the workplace. And what I'm talking about is that safety in the workplace to speak up and say, hey, I do need to do this, this thing with my family or for myself because that's part of, of who I am. And it's also that safety because the leader cares that I can say, hey, leader, I'm disagreeing with your point of view. Being, uh, being willing to uh, express your authentic, honest opinion and not just bite your tongue just to keep the, you know... Keep, toe the line. Keep things, yeah, toe the line or, or mm. smooth things over. 
And that's, in fact, something that Patrick Lencioni talks about, you know, having these honest conversations. Uh, fear of conflict is one of the dysfunctions of a team. Five That's exactly right. That's exactly so right. Fear of conflict is where people don't raise issues in case it will make waves. So it's about um, having a manager creating that psychological safety for people to actually not whinge and whine or, or, or be negative, but no. just to say what they think to avoid groupthink, let us say. Yes, you're, you're, you're exactly right. And a compassionate leader is going to be prepared to listen. It doesn't mean that we take the, the foot off the pedal. Okay, yes. we've still got to have performance. People need to do their jobs well. We need to develop capability and all those sorts of things. But we can do this. It's not this whole extra thing like, oh, hang on, now I have to be compassionate as well. It is actually, it can become part of how you lead purely because you're being a good listener or you're asking a couple of questions or you're inviting your team to go first, what ideas have you got as opposed to you coming in first as the leader or the expert? Now, uh, it, it would appear that if you don't address these issues, address the unspoken, and if you don't have eyes open to read the body language, you might lose your best people. Have you got any examples of that or where you, somebody, a manager, by taking the right action, prevented someone from, uh, from leaving because they were just um, so disheartened by just dealing with stuff on their own? Most definitely. There is a, there is a correlation there between empathetic leaders and, as I said before, engagement. And from engagement, we retain people. So we can definitely reduce the, the exit of, of specifically key talent. That's, that's who we, we do want to hold on to. And, and it is important for the leaders to not leave alone those people who they think, oh, if they're doing well, I don't have to worry about them. You know that what? Indeed. Charles Handy wrote about that. He called it the sigmoid curve, which is uh, when people start, uh, you, you put in time with new, uh, new starters because they need your input. And then when they can do the job, you leave them alone. And that's when, if you leave good people alone, their curve actually starts to go down. That's, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. And they can sometimes go from a high-performing individual or a high-potential individual, and they can slide down that skill-will scale. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. What, tell us more about the skill-will scale. What is that? I mean, I mean, it's a descriptive term, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And skill wills is a matrix. And we've got the four quadrants there. And in, in the bottom quadrant, you've got low skill and low will. And so as a leader, you'd need to stop and think, well, hang on a second. Why, why do I have someone who's low skill and low will? And it will could be because they were new to role. And then to use the example from before, they got a lot of attention paid to them and then they're left. And they start to make mistakes because they're, they're, they're not 100% sure, they're not getting any feedback, they're not getting constructive feedback, they're not getting positive feedback, and they slide. And then we've got, then we've got the high-willed but low-skill. And so that's often a person who is enthusiastic and is stepping up to a challenge, and they're going to need some support. Then we've got our... What is, this is an interesting quadrant. It's highly skilled. They're classified as low will. And a problem here could be to 
not do anything about the will or do too much and want to push them into high potential, which is high will and high skill. So a leader has to be very understanding of where that person is. If they don't want to go on to another big role, then this becomes the backbone of your team. But they still need compassion. You know, this has come up before the skill will matrix, but not exactly with that reference. Um, I had a client say to, to tell us about a problem employee that she wanted coached. And when I spoke to uh, our coach, uh, he said, well, we actually have to find out, is it a will problem or is it a skill problem? Because I can come in and do all the skilling in the world, uh, coaching either online or, or face-to-face, -face, but if they don't want to change, if they don't want to improve, uh, they're wasting their money and their time. So yeah. Yeah. now, how can, um, how can this impact on, on clients? I mean, if you've got a team that maybe has unresolved, uh, unspoken issues... Does that kind of uh, trickle, have a trickle-out effect to dealing with clients? Most definitely, because if we stop and think about it, a, an individual, let's just say they're client-facing, and remember the clients are internal and external, we'll go with an external one for the example, a, a person that is not engaged in the workplace because they do not have a, a leader that is emotionally intelligent around what's going on, then, well, what's going to happen with how they treat the customer? I'm, I'm not suggesting for a single moment that anyone would do the wrong thing. What I'm saying is they just not may, they just may not be as careful. They just may not go that extra mile. You just may not get that discretionary effort when they're out client facing. And when you're dealing with customers, one of the first tenets is to go the extra mile uh, and not just do your job in a, in a neutral fashion, but to do yes. it with a little bit of extra energy. Yes. Look, because, yeah. I, was, I was just going to say, if you don't have a leader that is compassionate, then you as a worker can lose your passion. If you lose your passion, oh, yeah. that's losing some of your will. And then you don't have that passion when you're with a client, you're going, it's almost, almost rote. Well, I'll tell you something. Um, I, I've been in, in small business for 30 years and there were times when I had a team of five, six, seven, eight people. And in the early days, I was just focused on results and I didn't understand that culture leads to results. And I didn't focus enough on culture. I learned my, through mistakes mm. uh, about halfway through. And I can remember when we shifted from people just getting their own coffee or tea as they wanted to actually deciding to have 10 minutes coffee uh, together most mornings, uh, mid-morning, that's when I started to find out a little bit about what was happening in their life, about a student doing last year high school that mm. was facing public exams, that mm. was causing stress in the whole family, or uh, someone, else, someone else's son uh, it, it wants to get a, a job in one of the forces but hasn't yet been accepted or whatever, as you said before, mm -hmm. age parents. So it's understanding what it is that uh, enough about people's life yes. that they get the feeling that you understand them and that mm -hmm. you care. And you will, if you have any people skills at all, will end up caring and that's what they want from you. People will respond to a leader who demonstrates that they care about that's them. exactly right. And they've, yeah, and they've got to show that 
care more and more these days because we are being impacted by societal things, economic things and global things. And you know, they, those things can leak into the people of the organisation and, and it's, there's nothing better than to feel that your leader and your organisation understand how this is impacting you. They can't, maybe they can't fix it, but they can understand. <laughs> now, uh, in a moment, we're going to open up the lines if there are any questions, or if you have got any questions, pop them in the chat box. And if you do want to ask a question, I'll just uh, ask you to unmute, but you don't have to unmute if you don't wish to. Um, so it's up to you if you want to ask a question. But um, what's a question you often get asked around this topic of, of demonstrating compassion as a leader? Yeah, well, one of the big questions I get asked as recently as yesterday was, hang on a sec, Cecile, I, I'm, I'm hearing you and I understand. The problem is that I've got deadlines to meet and these things have to be done. They have to be done accurately or, you know, whatever the situation is. Where, where, how, do I, how do I get that balance? That's the big one to ask. That, that I get asked by leaders. And that there's quite a simple answer to that, yeah. which is don't confuse a performance issue with being compassionate. If there is a performance issue, we still have to deal with it. We can also deal with it in a compassionate way. So for example, it could be, Cecile, you're, you're a valued member of the team. What I've noticed is that three times in the last month, you've made an error on such and such. And that's not acceptable in the work that we're doing. So let's have a conversation about how we can resolve that. Yes, so having compassion doesn't mean you can't give uh, critical feedback uh, and invite people to, uh, to re retrain in, in the performing of a job or, or whatever they Absolutely. need to do. Yeah. Yes. yes. an interesting yes. point. It doesn't um, mean the burners come off. We still have to do our work as it's supposed to be done. And the other thing is, as far as my re reading around doing one-on-ones, is that managers need to also embrace the fact that having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, even for five or ten minutes, minimum monthly, and currently probably every two weeks, is actually part of their job. It's not an interruption, interruption to their true job. Mm, Would you agree true. with that? Mm. Yeah. Mm, completely, 100%. What would you say is the most important uh, description or definition of empathy? I mean, um, how does someone know if, they've, if they are empathetic? Okay, gee, that's a good question. And I'm going to refer to Brene Brown. And, and I, I, I know you know who Brene Brown is for anyone yeah. that doesn't. She's a, a leadership guru. And she actually has got this most spectacular, very short YouTube video on empathy. And empathy is very simply putting yourself in the shoes of another person. What it is not is trying to fix the thing for them. It's being there with them in that moment. So I've got a personal example that I'm happy to share. I want my, my, one of my children has got a, a medical situation. It's not life threatening or anything like that. And Fortunately, I, I recently watched that, that video and instead of saying to him, it's okay, we're going to get it fixed, etc., etc., 
what I did instead was say, wow, that must be a little bit frightening for you. And he said, yes, it is. And then completely opened up. And I, but I, what I couldn't do was, it's, if you don't empathise, what you're doing is telling them that they're wrong with their feelings. Right. So instead, you go with the feeling and you understand it. That's a very interesting distinction, uh, mm. Cecile, because what I'm thinking there is I, I tend to jump to the solution. I tend to do exactly what you said, which is, well, we can do this action and we can take that action and we can do this. But it's about before you, it's about climbing a mountain and you have to get up the mountain of emotion to the summit before you can go down towards the solution. That's it. That's exactly right. And to just again steal from from Brené Brown from in fact that that video, she said never did an empathetic statement start with well at least, and then she rattles off all these examples. Oh my goodness, I'm going through a divorce. Well, at least you've been married. <laughs> you, you, yeah, I mean it's a dramatic example, but it, it's what she's talking about. It doesn't start with the word. Well, at least. Oh, that's an interesting one. I, that's not something I do, and I don't think the people in my life say it either. But I guess it depends. Uh, it depends on how people operate. That's very interesting. Well, at least. Well, at least you know. <laughs> at least you've still got a roof over your head, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it, look, it's it's very good to have a look at. You can simply Google Brené Brown everything. That's a good one. All right. Well, we might close there. Cecilia. Okay. Thank you for that. You work with teams, don't you, and help them with their people skills and their and their strategy? Yes, I do. It's what I'd say. Big passion of mine, in fact. I love it. Great. All right. Well, lovely talking to you today and, and thanks for your time and uh, oh, thanks pleasure. for joining us on Manage Self, Lead Others. My pleasure. Lovely to see you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for everybody for joining us. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.